This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. The United States this month moved its embassy in Israel from Tel Aviv to the ancient city of Jerusalem. Israel has always claimed Jerusalem as its capital, and the American Congress called for placing our embassy there since 1995. Israel hailed the move, as did many Americans, but there was condemnation from other corners. What are the political and religious implications of the embassy move? I speak to Mideast expert Dr. Timothy Furnish about this issue on today's World Lutheran News Digest. This is World Lutheran News Digest. I'm Kip Allen, host of World Lutheran News Digest. My guest today is Dr. Timothy Furnish, who is an expert on the Mideast and on Islam. Dr. Furnish, uh, welcome to the program, and let us know a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I, uh, yes, PhD in Islamic history from the state. I'm also Army veteran, where I learned Arabic uh, before that, and Missouri Synod Lutheran member for a long time and written a few books and teach college and try to keep my high school sons in line. <laughs> and you are an expert in the Middle East and on uh, Arabic studies and Islam, I believe? Well, my doctorate in Islamic history, specializing in Islamic eschatology, so I guess I, I sometimes play one on TV. So yes, I, I have been called that, although I don't try to make claim to it. Well, we saw a remarkable thing happen uh, just recently. Although the United States has officially recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel since, I believe, 1995, uh, President Trump actually did it and moved our embassy to the city of Jerusalem. And uh, this has sparked a lot of controversy and discussion around the world. What are the implications of this, first of all, from a political end, and what do you see it from a religious end? After all, Jerusalem is a central city to three of the major Abrahamic religions. Well, the first part of that's maybe easier to talk about. But the second part is we're going to look a bit deeper, Kip. The political aspect, of course, you sort of outlined it correctly there. Um, the Congress back in 1995 passed legislation saying that uh, Jerusalem should be the um, should be where the, basically the capital. The, the U.S. should should acknowledge that it's the capital of Israel and move the embassy there. President since then, so that would be um, Clinton, Bush, Obama, uh, had used a proviso in it, which said basically that presidents did not have to act on this. Uh, if they thought that it was, you know, injurious to um, international affairs or security or something along those lines. And, of course, every president had done that. And basically they always made a you know, big deal out of it, usually in campaign season. But when it came to actually doing it, they always invoked that, that get, out of, a get out of Jerusalem free card, I guess you could say. Trump campaigned on going back to that. And I, you know, probably, uh, excuse me, I should say camp, Trump campaigned on, enacting that or making that legislation a reality i should say and you know i, I don't know why he did uh it may have been that he figured and his advisors figured that it would be very helpful particularly uh with evangelical support because a lot of the evangelical churches uh, have a lot of folks who are very very fond of 
Israel and uh, basically wanted the, uh, the the U.S. embassy to be there, basically to accord with what Israelis uh, considered their capital. But in any event, he did it. And as we know, just the other day, it was officially done that the, the embassy was moved. And of course, the reason why that the previous presidents, the previous three presidents had not done it was because their advisors had told them that it would cause problems uh, in the Middle East in general, and in particular with the Israeli-Palestinian peace process. So that was why it was not done. We do see on one hand, again, sticking with just political end of this and not getting into theology yet, we do see on one hand that Hamas, Hamas, which is the Islamic fundamentalist group, Hamas is basically the, the Palestinian branch of the Muslim Brotherhood, it rules Gaza, uh, that there have been basically, uh, I guess, not just riots, but attempts to, to, to make incursions into Israeli territory, which has been met with force, and a number of the uh, of the uh, Palestinians, and many of them, it seems, uh, Hamas members, actually Hamas members, uh, so in that sense, I guess you could say militants have been killed. But, and then Iran, of course, has doesn't done its usual squawking, but Iran is... Iran is always complaining about American foreign policy one way or another, and and what's happened from the Iranian point of view um, with this just sort of dovetails with the with the uh, with the dismissal or the the cancellation, I guess you could say, what a week a couple of weeks ago of the of the, the so-called Iran deal. But but beyond that, beyond the Palestinians themselves and a great number of out offended liberals and the American media. Um, the, the, the reaction the rest of the Middle East has been, you know, sort of ho-hum. I mean, the, the Saudis haven't done much. The Saudis sort of issued a pro forma condemnation of it. But the Saudis, under really their de facto ruler, who is Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, the, the Saudis are basically de facto allied with the Iranians. Um, if only because they both know that their main enemy is not each other, but Iran. So we, we do get a great deal of hue and cry from certain sectors about this uh, politically. Uh, but I think a lot of that is, uh, I, frankly, I think it's kind of overstated. Again, not to dismiss the, the deaths that have taken place. I'm not making light of that. Uh, but politically overall, in terms of this being some sort of powder keg that Trump has lit, lit the fuse on, I just think that's just not true. Uh, most of the actors in the Middle East... Um, Saudi Arabia, Turkey has made noises about it too. But really, the big issues in the Middle East are not where Israel puts its embassy. The big issues in the Middle East are Iran trying to build nuclear weapons, uh, the war in Yemen, the ongoing war in Syria, Iraqi elections are a pretty important issue. I don't think we have time to talk about that, but we might want to at some point. Um, so, so, and also behind the political part of this too, which I guess sort of segueing into the theological part of it. If you really unpack the issue, you'll find that, I mean, you made the uh, statement a minute ago about um, about Jerusalem being holy to all three faiths. That, frankly, is just wildly overstated. Much of that is Islamic propaganda. If you look back over 1,400 years of Islamic history, Jerusalem, until recent years, really was not considered to be a holy city to, 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 to um, Islam. Uh, not in any close, not even remotely close to the same sense in which it's holy to uh, Jews and Christians. So a lot of that, I think, is, and we can talk more about this, the theological, um, the, the, the theological 
uh, register being put into the subs- into the service of the political register, particularly from uh, the Palestinian Islamic viewpoint. Well, I've got two observations politically that I'd like you to comment on. One is, I've heard the criticism saying that, well, this effectively kills the peace process, to which my response is, what peace process? <laughs> it's been stalled for, I mean, it's been going on since the founding of Israel. The second thing is, I believe it, the United States is stating very uh, unequivocally, yeah, we recognize Israel, we understand, we will not let Israel fall. Uh, this is the, the strongest statement I can recall of an American president uh, giving solidarity to Israel. Well, the first part of that, right, and the peace process, people have to keep in mind, and a lot of people may not realize the more important things to follow and take care of in their lives, but Israel, or the Palestinians basically have two governments. If you can look at the, if you can envision the map of Israel in your head, uh, Israel, there's Israel in the middle, that coastal strip there on the eastern side of the Mediterranean, south of Lebanon, north of Egypt. To its east, going back toward the Middle East, toward Jordan, is something called the West Bank, and that's the West Bank of what? Of course, the West Bank of the Jordan River. There's that area, which is the largest Palestinian area, which is controlled by what's called the Palestinian Authority. It's the, it's the successor body to Yasser Arafat's old Palestine Liberation Organization, which went by the wayside, particularly after the death of, of uh, after Arafat's death, um, particularly with, with, with the collapse of the Soviet Union and, um, and the, uh, the finally, basically that was the big patron of the Palestinians, uh, the PLO. And then we remember the peace treaty back in the 90s, which Bill Clinton brokered between the Israelis and Palestinians. And the, the Palestinian Authority, which rules the West Bank, is more or less a secular organization under Mahmoud Abbas. Keep in mind that although 88, 90% of Palestinians are Muslim, about 10% are Christian. They're not all Muslims. So the Palestinian Authority, just like the PLO before it, was not, is not, and was not a a a Muslim a Muslim organization really what it was was a secular nationalist organization and, and so they rule the West Bank they will talk to the Israelis uh, as you point out as you, as you pointed out a minute ago there's really not much of a peace process going on but the West Bank Palestinians are not actively engaged in conflict with the Israelis this is not true with the Israel with the Palestinian government that rules the other part of the Palestinian territory, which is the Gaza Strip. The Gaza Strip is down to the southwest of Egypt. Excuse me, southwest of Israel. It borders Egypt. It's a very. It's got a fairly large population in a fairly small area. The area really can't support itself. There's not much there. It's it's a pretty bleak area. Now there, the Palestinians elected back in the 90s a group called Hamas. Hamas is an Arabic acronym for Harakat al-Makalama al-Islamiyah, which means the the, uh, the Islamic resistance movement. And as I think I mentioned a moment ago, a few moments ago, Hamas is the Palestinian branch of the Muslim Brotherhood. Hamas does not believe in talking to Israelis. It believes in killing Israelis. So these are the people that have been making the incursions uh, the last couple of days, the, uh, the moving of the embassy. Uh, and the Israelis have had to shoot some of them because... Some of them are basically, frankly, terrorists trying to get into Israeli territory. So the the problem with any sort of peace process is, who do Israelis talk to? 
You, the Palestinians are not even united under a government. Their, their territories are wildly separated, which, you know, it's not totally their own fault. But they did elect different governments. So the Israelis really don't have anybody to negotiate with. Palestinians don't have that much support in the rest of the Arab world anymore. Um, in fact, their biggest supporter, ironically, is a non-Arab, non-Sunni Muslim place called Iran, as we were discussing a moment ago. So, and just overall, geopolitically, looking at the Middle East, the, the Palestinian-Israeli issue really has taken has been on the back burner for years. Most of this millennium, in fact, what with the since 9/11 and al-Qaeda and ISIS, and then the Syrian civil war, and the Iraqi war, and now we have a war in Yemen. Um, most people, the, the Israeli-Palestinian issue is not a huge deal to most of the actors in the neighborhood, except for the Israelis and the Palestinians. So so that's to the first part. And I'm, and I'm sorry, Kip, after going on that harangue, I can't remember the second <laughs> thing you said. Well, well the second was the... Uh was that uh, it was a statement by the United States that we firmly are now standing behind Israel. I, I can't recall another president being so strong, making such a strong statement as President Trump did about about uh, we support Israel by moving the by moving the embassy. Yeah, I can't in my lifetime remember that when I think of because I think about history and I taught American history. Uh, it was, uh, but but. That that may have been as you know sort of bold for its time in the late 40s when of course Truman was president when we recognized when Israel was actually created as a state and 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 Truman was the first leader to recognize it. But I think you're right in terms of certainly the last three or four, five, six administrations even. Uh, and why? Well, people. <clears throat> earlier I said this may go. It may seem somewhat to go against the grain of what I said a few minutes ago. I do think that Trump's uh, Trump's plan, uh, again going back to the campaign or his promise, to move the embassy probably had a, lo a strong, you know, political element in order to get evangelical support. Because as we know, Trump is not exactly the kind of guy that you would think the evangelicals would tend to support normally, <laughs> to put it mildly. Um, so I think part of that was sort of Machiavellian. But I think part of it, too, is that just hard-nosed reality. You know, Trump Trump may not have been an expert, and clearly wasn't an expert in international affairs when he came into office, but he's a smart man. He's been in business a long time. He's dealt with a lot of unsavory characters in that, in that realm. And I'm sure when he got the briefings, he realized, hey, and, and he's from New York, too. So I'm sure he realized, you know, we, we have an ally in the Middle East that's fixed by us, and it's called Israel. Uh, so why don't we stick by them? And so, you know, I think it's part and parcel sort of reversing what Obama did in many ways. Obama was, uh, relations between the United States and Israel were famously cool under Obama, to put it mildly. Obama leaned toward Israel, excuse me, leaned toward Iran. Uh, that was part of the Iran deal, the so-called Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, which, of course, Trump just, just repudiated. So I think that this is part and parcel, particularly in the Middle East, of Trump repudiating the Obama legacy and Obama's traditions, and, and really going back to what is more of a traditional American, uh, uh, you know, sort of geopolitical stance, which is that, yeah, I think you're right to say that it's very strongly stated by Trump, perhaps more so than a lot of presidents have done. But pre-Obama, Israel was always the bulwark ally of the United States in the Middle East, and, and I think Trump is just going back to that. 
Also, you may be saying to the uh, Palestinians and to the Arabs that, uh, you know, there's a new sheriff in town. The uh, peace process as has been going on in the past isn't working. We'll try something else. And Trump, assessing obsessed about it, he's uh, different. As I said, there are bigger fish to fry, much bigger problems than the plight of the Palestinians. And this is, unfortunately, this is going to affect the Palestinians, because I do think that the Palestinians do have a point. They do deserve a territory. You know, if you look back at history over the last century, going back to the Zionist movement in the late 19th century, up through the, the Ottoman times, the British mandate, and up through the creation of Israel, there were Palestinians, Muslims and Christians, who were dispossessed of their lands and their territories and treated pretty shabbily. So I, it's not just a one-way street here. But Again, uh, who, do the, who, who do the Israelis negotiate with? Is it Hamas or is it the Palestinian Authority? And, and again, the bigger geopolitical issue is that this just simply for most people, this has taken the back seat to the much larger issues uh, of, of terrorism and of countries like Iran that are state sponsors of terrorism. Well, let's move on a bit now to the religious aspect of it. Uh, there's no dispute that religion, that uh, Jerusalem is central to both Judaism as being the, the homeland or to Christians as being the site of the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. Uh, now, you mentioned in Islam, it's uh, really a rather modern thing to them to say that certainly that Jerusalem is important. I know that they claim that this is where uh, Muhammad ascend, ascended into heaven, but I don't believe Jerusalem is ever mentioned in the Quran. Not once. It is mentioned once. And yes, you're exactly right, Kim. So why are, you, why are they making the claim now? You always hear about the Al-Aqsa Mosque and the, mosque and the, uh, the, the Dome of the Rock. And uh, they're the claiming, yeah, next year we're going to go there. We're going to redeem the, uh, the Alexa Mosque. Why? Why is it so important to them? Well, basically, I think if you look back at history, all right, this brief rundown of Jerusalem. You know, most people, I think, have some vague idea. Jerusalem, Jerusalem was first taken by the, by the Israelites under King David, uh, according to the Old Testament, eh, about 1,000 B.C. or so. Um, from the Jebusites, and it remained the Jewish capital, of course, through him, and, and uh, although it was conquered eventually by other people, um, and, and, and you know, the first temple built by Solomon was destroyed by the Babylonians, the second temple, two and a half temples, we actually had that temple built by the, by the folks who came back from, from Persia, and then the, the actual large temple, the one that Jesus knew of, was built um, started in the B.C. period of the Romans, first century B.C., that was and then, of course, destroyed by the Romans in 70, between 66 and 70. But Jerusalem was always um, home to at least some Jews, even when it was taken away, and uh, even when it was taken away as the capital of the Jewish state, and any Jewish state ceased to exist. Uh, the Romans ruled it, the Byzantines ruled it, who, of course, uh, Christian Romans. Uh, Islam took it in 638. The Dome of the Rock was built sometime shortly thereafter. Uh, said to be built on the site where, yes, there's a there's a tradition that Muhammad uh, touched down there uh, on his what's called the mirage, which is by the way where we get the word mirage in all of the old movies when it's set in the desert. Uh, means it means the ascent. But there is nothing in the Quran, as you correctly observed a moment ago, nothing in the Quran about Jerusalem at all. And what you find with, with the with the with Islamic claims to Jerusalem. They seem to be made at times when somebody else is threatening to take it or 
they are made the the, the importance or the alleged importance of uh, of Jerusalem to Islam claims about that those are made when um, there are factions between Islam that are fighting for power. Like, for instance, after the Muhammad and the first four caliphs, you had a group called the Umayyads that took over, who were from Syria. And you, you get a lot of these claims about the importance of Jerusalem then, because Jerusalem was basically part of what was considered, especially for, for folks in the Arabian Peninsula, where Islam comes from, like in Medina and the Arabian Peninsula, Jerusalem's considered to be part of Syria, greater Syria. So rulers from Syria, Islamic rulers from Syria, the Umayyads, who built the Al-Aqsa Mosque. Have you been to Jerusalem, Kip? Yes, I have. And so, you know, there's the Dome of the Rock on one end of the whole, the, the, the Al-Haram al-Sharif or the Temple Mount. On the other end of the Temple Mount, of course, is Al-Aqsa Mosque. Al-Aqsa means the farthest. It was built probably, it was built uh, sometime later than the Dome of the Rock, probably in the 8th century A.D., but it was probably built by some of the uh, later Umayyad rulers in order to, this is kind of strange to follow, but you have to follow this if you can, it was built to, said to be fulfilling some of the passages in the Quran that talk about Muhammad's, Muhammad's, um, Muhammad's going from the nearest mosque to the farthest mosque. Now, the Quran doesn't, of course, mention Jerusalem, as we said. It doesn't mention any place where this farthest mosque is, but what you basically get, it's sort of a, it's a real, real, very neat trick of Islamic religious propaganda. Islamic rulers build this mosque and call it the Al-Aqsa Mosque. So then they can retroactively say that's what the Quran was referring to. Also, I've noticed uh, on some sites that I monitor that there are a lot of uh, Islamic scholars deny that Jews were ever present in uh, Jerusalem. I don't think you can call those people scholars, tip. You can call those people propagandists. And I'm I'm looking at a picture right now of the Israeli ambassador giving uh, to the United Nations, giving our ambassador to the UN, Nikki Haley, a coin that was actually minted in AD 68 in the middle of the revolt against the Romans, Romans mm -hmm. when Jerusalem was still under Jewish control. <laughs> even if even if one does not accept the Old Testament as history. Any scholar worth their salt, any 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 scholar of the period and, and the region knows that the Jews have been there a heck of a lot longer than the Muslims have. There's just no there's just no debate about this. Uh, you know, this denial of this is akin to you know Holocaust denial, and oh, yeah. it's, it's just ridiculous. Um, well, one other thing I wanted to point out on that mm -hmm. was, as you point, as I mentioned, I have been to Jerusalem. And uh, Muslims are free to worship at those two mosques. Now, when East Jerusalem was under Jordanian control, Jews were prohibited from from approaching the West right. Wall. Right, right. And you're of course on the period after the creation of, um, well, after the after the Ottoman Empire collapsed, the British took over the that, that area. The Brit it was part of the, one of the British mandates, and then of course after World War II, the Brits who couldn't hold on to it anymore. There was a 1947 plan by the United Nations where it was going to be divided. The territory was going to be divided down roughly 50-50. I think it was like 52-48 between Jews and Arabs. And um, and Jerusalem itself is supposed to be made an international city. They a nice Latin phrase for it. What was it? A corpus separatum or something like that. I mean, of course, that never came to pass. What happened was in the, after Israel was declared as a state, declared itself as a state in forty-eight. Uh, there was a war. The Israelis took West Jerusalem. The Jordanians took East Jerusalem. Jerusalem, and yes, you're exactly right. 
time they ruled it, which is up until '67, they didn't let Jew, they didn't let Jews worship uh, in, in in any of their holy places. And then, of course, the, 60, the '67 war, Six Days War, Israel took the whole thing, um, as well as the West Bank and the Gaza. And Israel has held on to it ever since, and said that you know I've got three thousand years claim to it, which is a pretty good claim. So uh, that that's that's yeah, that's just historically undeniable. And, and it is true that I, when's the last time you were there? I'm just curious, kid. By the way, I was there in uh, I was there in seventy two. Oh gosh, ooh, money changed a little bit since then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've been there. Let's see, I was there in uh, oh. Five oh seven, and then I was most recently in twenty thirteen. Now in twenty thirteen, when I was there, was twenty thirteen or fourteen? Maybe fourteen. They now allow the Palestinian Authority now allows Israel rules all of Jerusalem, but they let the Palestinian Authority from the West Bank run the Temple Mount, the part where the Dome of the Rock and Al-Aqsa Mosque is. That they do allow people up there for like an hour at a time. We were allowed up there for an hour. Uh, Non-Muslims are allowed up there for an hour at a time, and they sort of run everybody off. So that, that, uh, that's the way it was a couple of years ago. I don't know if they've changed it since then. Um, but the Palestinians are very snickety about their, their, their control of the area. Like, for instance, um, there is no archaeological excavation allowed anywhere under the Temple Mount. The Palestinians will, will allow it, so Jews can't research their own history there. Um, in fact, I mean, there's even reports that there are Palestinians that are that, that tunnel underneath the Temple Mount and destroy any evidence they find of, you know, any 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 relics. I mean, God knows how much damage is being done to the archaeology under there. So, I guess my point is that although the I, I do think that there's a very good case to be made that the Jew that the excuse me that the that the Muslim claim to Jerusalem is greatly overstated and hyperbolized and how propagandized, that doesn't mean that, that the Palestinians that live don't have a point about having a place to live and having home. Well, Dr. Furnish, we are out of time. This has been a fascinating discussion, one I'm learning more about all the time. I want to thank you for being on the program, and I'm certain that I'm going to have you on again. We've got a lot more to go through. You're welcome, Kev. I appreciate it. Thanks. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.